So vision, vision is real simple. We talk about vision um, in, in a lot of different ways, and, and I'm going to talk about it this morning as the ability to see, okay? So vision is the ability to see, and who's the only person that we know that sees perfectly? And so God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they see perfectly. They see you perfectly, all right? So last week I gave out a, a list of um, declarations, and one of them is, I am a daughter of God. I don't declare that myself. I throw in son there. All right, but see that he sees me perfectly. So when I'm not acting like his son, he's not going, you're not acting like my son. He's like, I see you perfectly. I see you clearly. You, you are my son. All right. My actions don't change God's vision of me. They change, they change my vision of me. And I might be acting this way because I don't have a vision that he has of me. So I'm acting this way. So vision is the ability to see, and God sees perfectly, and he has a perfect vision of you. He has a perfect vision for you. He sees you perfectly, and he calls you, because of Jesus, perfect. And he calls you completely worthy of love, even though you're not. You're not worthy of love. But he calls you and treats you and acts towards you like you're worthy of love because you were once lost, but now you've been found. You were out of the family, but now we're in the family. So he has a perfect vision of what I look like. He has a perfect vision of what would make me happy and has a perfect to him and ask him what steps to guide me. Now, God's desire for you, he sees you walking perfectly in his design. He sees you walking perfectly using your, your spiritual gifts and spiritual community and for evangelism and for freedom. That's how he sees you. When he speaks to you, he's speaking to you as if you're walking in his perfect design. He speaks to you as if you can access his heart and hear his heart because he created you to hear his heart and to know him and to know his vision for you. He, he sees you walking, having his emotions. And having his mind, his mindset, his ways, his values. And he sees you, his sight of you, doing the right good works. And we'll talk about those right good works maybe maybe today. And you know what? So God has a vision for you. You're called to have a vision for you. All right? You're called to have a vision for you. You're supposed to see yourself differently then you are right now on December, what is it, 6th or 7th? It's January. I didn't even get the, the year wrong. I got the, the, the month wrong. So it's not December 2017. It's January. Thank you. So the problem is, is that we mostly base on our ability to see just with our five senses. Five senses in our past. So I've always been poor. So I'll continue to be poor unless I win the lotto. So we have more faith in the, the lotto than we do in the God pro, in, in, than God prospering us. So we see back here that we are a failure. So we think that that guarantees our vision going forward is I'm a failure. I've always been fearful, depressed, worried. So my next decades are feel, fearful, depressed, and worried. I've always been sick. I've always struggled with relationships. My kids have always been this way. My marriage has always looked that way for the last X number of years. So therefore, all my relationships going forward continue to look like that but god has a vision for your life that you get to tap into you get to tap into that you get to talk to him 
about your life, and then you get to walk out that vision. And each of us has a vision, all right? And I've, I've done this a couple of years in a row, and I've tricked you. Say, who has a vision? And half the people don't raise your hand. I say, who has goals for your life? And nobody raises your hand. But, but some of you, this is what some of vision sounds like. I just want to be happy in 2018. That's a vision. You see yourself being happy. And most people just want to be not as miserable as they were a time in the past. Their happiness level is not very high threshold. It's just a little tiny bit better than last year. And God doesn't just add a little bit tiny better. He wants to multiply his peace, his finances, his ministry, his gifting, his anointing. The glory of the Lord is from glory to glory, from experience to experience, from his goodness to his goodness to his goodness. So you have an experience with God and it was amazing. Well, there's another amazing experience with God. That makes sense? So we, have, we get salvation. We're like, oh, my life has totally changed. I've stopped doing these things. And then we slug it out for 50 years of our life, and it's horrible. And it looks like a really bad depressed. It's like, like, like I was real down here in the dumps, and God brought me here, and now it's taken me 50 years to go that far. That's if I don't get negative and bitter and resentful by how I was treated in church, by how pastors treated me, by how my fellow church members treated me, and I don't go downhill. But there's supposed to be an upward projection of the, of the wealth or the bigness or the largeness or the overabundance of our life. There's supposed to be an increase, all right? There, there, there's, there's, there's a beauty and an increase that's meant to come. So vision often sounds like I want to be happy in 2018. I don't want anything to go wrong in 2018. And I don't want to be afraid in 2018. Or I don't want to be depressed in 2018. Or I don't want to be sick in 2018. So we all have those visions. And so often we start pursuing that vision. Based just on what we have said and based on a negative. Without God anywhere in the equation. We upgrade our sports package channel. I'm serious. We, we, we make sure our shelf is stocked with wine or beer or whiskey. We pay 180 bucks on average a month for cable TV so that we can be happier. So nothing will go wrong because we're hiding in our home, in our bedroom, or in our loft, or in our wherever we hide. Now we can watch TV anywhere. You can watch TV in the bathtub. You can watch TV while you're driving. You don't have to ever talk to your, your spouse or your kids again. You can put, everybody can be hooked up to TV straight into your brain. And, there, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm for TV. I enjoy TV. I enjoy all of those things. But we start pursuing and making our vision of our life happen. And it could be a bag of Cheetos and Oreo cookies. That would be my go-to, all right? Um, I try to stay away from Cheetos and Oreo cookies because I will not stop. I will nonstop crunch those guys. And we try to make ourselves happy. We try to make ourselves safe. We try to not get in trouble. We try to not be bad. And that is not a godly vision for our lives. All right? Even not being afraid is not God's vision for your life. God's vision for your life is to be courageous not to not be afraid. So when we pursue not being afraid, we might be able to not get afraid because we're... And courageous means you're out there, you're fighting, you're pursuing, you're going after generational curses in your family, you're going after prosperity in your family, you're going after better relationships in your family. So we unintentionally create a life that is anti-Christ, that is anti the crucified Savior who sets us free and who gives us abundance. 
We unintentionally do that, and it might be um, simply because we have a decent job, and we've decided it's humble of me that I don't want any more. We shared that a little bit last week, but it's not humble for us to say, I just want enough for me and my family. You guys overflowed into this family that's been living in their car up at the Spring Creek Park up here. Your finances overflowed into that family, so for 14 days, they'll, they'll have food and shelter. But if you only had enough for you and your family, it's who cares about everybody else's family? Vision for us as believers is to overflow. It's to have so much business, we start another business. To have so much love, we engage with people who are unloving, who can't give us anything back. So research shows over and over again, year after year, decade after decade, that people long desire for, dream about having three things be different every year. Relationship, even if they've been married for 20 years, they want a better marriage. Almost everybody wants a better marriage. They want better relationship with their kids. You know, kids change, darn it, don't they? And you just want that five-year-old forever? It's like, oh, my gosh, this five-year-old's perfect. I love that when they get, you know, they're, they're not hurting me. They're just hurting themselves at five. You know, at 15, they start hurting you or even a little bit before. And they, you, you start worrying about them. And then they get to be 25 and they're gone. And, you know, they don't need you and you want that. But, you know, that, that better relationship we, we want and need as our kids get older and older, better relationships. So that's, a, that's not, these aren't specifically in order. The second one is better health. We want better health. If you're in good health and you're on no, no medicine, almost everybody wants more vitality, more energy, more clarity. They want to be aware. They want to be, by better health, I mean, they want to be like when they're with a, in a crowd of people. They want to be there. They want to be effective. They want to be um, uh, enjoying good health. And um, it's often, of course, around weight loss. But again, God's not concerned about our weight loss, but he is concerned about our health. The third one is finances. It <clears throat> doesn't matter who you are. Almost everybody wants to be off, better off financially. Almost everybody wants to be better off financially. And for some people, it means I want to get into a home from an apartment hotel, from a hotel to an apartment. From, you know, they, they want that. And, um, and so it, it, it's, it's, those, are, those are three indicators for us. Um, that actually point to areas where God's designed us to overflow in. So God created us for relationships, right? And a reflection of our relationship with him is our relationship with others. The better our relationship with him becomes, the better our relationship with others becomes. This has been the problem, and I've been in the charismatic, spirit-filled church since I was 13, so for 42 years now. And the problem is, is that we think we're created to minister together and do work together to build the church. And we're not. We're created for a relationship together with him. And the, more, the closer we say we are to him, the more it overflows into relationship with others. And then out of, out of relationship, we go and do ministry together, not out of assignment. Okay? Uh, so the second thing is this idea of health is God designed us to be healthy and whole, to be full of energy, to be full of creativity, to be spreading joy, to be dancing at parties, to be throwing parties, to be, to be moving other people, to be helping paint their house, to be helping with their businesses. Because our house is in such good shape. We, we love it so much. It's so well repaired that we're overflowing into other people's lives in those areas because of our health. Because of our mental health, because of our spiritual health, because of our emotional health, we get to overflow in those areas because of our assumed 
with relationship in a negative way, that's the devil's distraction for you. Um, if you're constantly consumed with ill health, that's the devil's distraction for you. And if you're constantly um, distracted by bad incomes, that's the devil's plan against you to keep you focused on something, something here, something small. So, and God did create us in his image. So this third thing about it financially, God is a giver. God is an increaser. God is a creator. And with, with, for when we, when whatever we have, whatever we do, um, we're meant to be givers. We're called to be increasers because by design we're called to be givers. And we cannot give if we don't increase. We had a, a guy doing our sheetrock work during Hurricane Harvey. We had a, it rained so much we found a leak um, in our house. And it's when, you, when you enter in, in, into our, our house, um, there's kind of a vaulted, well, there's a vaulted ceiling when you walk in, it was all, we had to sheetrock all of that. And we got a really neat guy to do it. And his son's 22 years old working with him. And he's, I can hear him. He's telling him what to do, everything what to do. Now tape it down like this. Now remember, this is oil-based paint because they're painting the trim. And he's telling him the whole time, this is what we do when we sheetrock. And um, that we're supposed to have that, that in our life. Many of us should be, should be mothering and fathering, at the very least, older brothering and aunt and uncling other people. Because our relationships are health of our family. And, um, <clears throat> and again, a lot of us say, we hear ourselves say, I don't have any goals. I don't have a vision for my life. I don't get do New Year's resolutions because they don't work. Well, you know what? All of those are lies that buy right into the devil's plan for you to say you're not special. You weren't created for anything. Just go to work. Give your money to your home. Do a little bit of drinking here, a little bit of this here. I don't know why I use drinking. A little bit of blank here. You know, we were upset if somebody came into our house and, 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 they, and, they, and they, I don't know what you do with heroin, but you say you shoot heroin into your arm. I've seen that in the movie. You say they did that. We'd be really upset with them because they are addicted because they're doing it right in front of me. They're so desperate for it. But we're just as desperate to get on Facebook. We're just as desperate to go and hide in an acceptable addiction that moves us out of the plan and designs of God. And I'm not saying Facebook's of the devil, but the devil can use all those good things. So what's God's vision for you? Now, I'm going to talk, I think, four or five times on God's vision for you. So it's going to, you, you got to take, you got to take what you want um, from it or what God wants for you. So turn to Galatians 4. It's not going to make any sense because I'm going to read out of the message, all right? So it's, I mean, it's going to make sense, but it's not going to look like what you have. But I want you to, to go to Galatians 4, and I want you to, to, to mark down Galatians 4. There's multiple ones, but it all, I think it all comes down to this, is that God wants you to receive his adoption and walk fully in your inheritance. I want you to hear that. God wants you to walk fully in your inheritance. Not, <clears throat> not in your inheritance of what you deserve. Not in your inheritance, because that's not, inheritance isn't what you deserve, is it? It's what your parent decides to give to you, okay? But I also don't want you, I mean, the Lord doesn't want you to walk in your, in your, what you can produce in your works alone, does he? We do, that, that's, that's, that's a rule, that's a law. The law of what you, what you plant is what you're going to harvest. And you can be fulfilling that law and walking in that, but there's a bigger law, and that's the law of inheritance that supersedes the law of sowing and reaping. So in this, in verse um, 4, but when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, which that time we just had, well, we just celebrated Christmas, God sent his son born among us of a woman, born under the conditions of the law, so that he might redeem those of us who have been kidnapped by the law. 
Thus, we have been set free to experience our rightful inheritance. We've been set free to experience our rightful inheritance. It's not we will be set free when we die. Jesus died, the inheritance is activated. The inheritance isn't eternal life after we die. The inheritance is life, the kingdom come, his will be done here. Upon, okay? I want you to get that. That's a heart because we're taught so much that we, I, I don't know why I keep using the word slug it out. I must have heard it somewhere. But it's like, we're just going to fight our way and it's going to be so hard. And the Christian life is so hard. And if you're in ministry, it's harder. And oh, if you don't, if you don't, if you serve Jesus, it's so tough. And it's almost like we're saying, I just wish I could go back to the life I once had at that false freedom. So, our rightful inheritance, you can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives, crying out, Papa, Father. Doesn't that privilege, that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave but a child? And if you are a child, everybody look at their neighbor and say, you're a child. So if you're a child, you're also a heir. Did I say that right? Heir. Yeah, that's gonna. You're 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 also a son or daughter. <laughs> I knew I was gonna. I knew I knew I was gonna like um, fall up uh, fell on that one with complete access to inheritance. You have complete access to inheritance. Now I don't believe that everybody gets the same thing. But I believe everybody gets the same amount of the thing that God has for us. So when you're asking God about what's your vision in my life, you're not saying, I want have. And you're not looking in your past going, I don't want what my parents had. I don't want my, what my first marriage had. I don't want what I did before. What you're saying, you're, you're, you're ignoring everything around you that's happened that you can see with your five senses. And you're looking up to him. And he's aware of how you're designed. He's aware I'm 5'8". He's aware I'm not going to ever be an NBA basketball player. He's aware of those things. He's aware of my personality. He's actually more aware of how I see the world than I see the world. So I can trust him completely to give me vision. And he partners with his design of me that was planned out before... I was ever born, before I was ever conceived, he, he, he plans that, and he has a perfect design that fits my temperament, my gifting, my talent, and even where I want to go and who I want to be in my life. I'm not, like, always out of agreement with him. He, I say, I'm passionate about this. He's like, right, I'm passionate about that with you. Yes. All right? And so we need to look at those things and um, remember in that those areas is that to walk a fully adopted in your relationships, what would it look like if you were perfectly loved by God and you didn't need anybody else to love you? We would judge them a lot less. We would try to pull from them a lot less. You know, perfect. He has perfect union with them. I mean, look down at Adam. He said, but it's not enough. I need to have a partner with that. So we need partners. We want partners. God designed us to want partners in our life. But first, it's him. Then it's everybody else. And we can pull from that vision. He will give us that vision if we will talk to him. Now, in this area of our adoption, think about that. When you're adopted into the family of God, who becomes your brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, everybody around here, right? We can say everybody else who's been adopted into the family. All right, and then who's the older brother of this family? Don't look around for the oldest person in here. 
It's, it's not, it's, it's a, it was a trick question. Um, you know, you can always say, who's the older brother? You couldn't say, who's the oldest woman? Because that would be like, oh, I don't want to tell you how old I am. Then we're going to ask you how much you weigh. Just kidding. Whoa. So the older brother is Jesus, right? And how much, how much does God love, how much does our father love the older brother? I mean, the, I mean just like, it's like, it's unfathomable. And we, and we know that and we accept that. But then, so how much, how, how hard is it? And this, this is, this is the, the core, this is the good, ridiculous, brilliant news of the gospel. Is it with as much love that he loves Jesus, he loves you and me. As much as, much as about John the, John the Baptist, there's been nobody ever like John. Jesus says, but you guys are all going to be better than John ever was. But we hide from that. And we make statements that I have no vision, I have no goals. And, and that is not a spiritual thing to say. That's not an humble thing to say. That's not a godly thing to say because God's saying, I have vision for you. I have plans for you. I have designs for you. And if you would just look at your design, your life would be a lot better. And I will talk to you about your design. So when, whenever we think about that, whenever we think about that, that God loves us the same way as he loves Jesus and he gives us the same, that, that anointing that's set for us in this period of our life, in wherever we're at, whatever age we are, we often feel a pressure now that I've got to be good to get that. But it's no pressure. It's, in, it's in, in an invitation into a family dynamic. I want you to hear that. There's never pressure. Jesus says, I want you to be perfect like God is perfect. That's so ridiculous, isn't it? Before that, he says, I want you to love your enemies. That's ridiculous. We can't do that. We can't fulfill any portion of the law. We can't even love God without first experiencing his love. So when he's asking us to do something, it's not like you have to do this or you're in trouble. It's an invitation. I'm inviting you to be complete. I'm inviting you to be whole. And we do that by receiving the work and the life and the power and the anointing of our older brother who died on the cross. All right? So it's an invitation when Jesus says it's not a chore he's giving, but he's actually telling you what your future looks like. When he says be perfect like God is perfect, he's saying that's what your future looks like. You look complete. And we look complete as a bride of Christ, as a church of Christ, but we, we look complete as his children. And we, we, we move into that place, and we actually not only move into that place, but from where we're at, if we can think, ah, I'm being perfected. doesn't matter where I mess up. God's perfecting me. God's moving me forward. And we, so we don't only look toward that invitation to that, to that time, in heaven, we actually base our life based on that good news and that information and that invitation that it's already completed. I'm just walking out and into what's already done. Wouldn't you love to be in the Super Bowl this year and um, be on the sidelines, dressed out, not playing at all, knowing how excited would you be that you knew that when that last whistle blows and it's the game and they I mean, it's amazing how they drop all that stuff and have that celebration. And you knew no matter what happened on that field that you're going to get that giant trophy. That's, that's the gospel of the good news. We're more than conquerors. We receive something that we don't deserve, that we do our work, but we don't do his work. We can't do his work, all right? So that spirit of adoption that comes in there is so important. And the question is, will you receive that invitation? 
Will you receive it in your finances? What does it look like for me to be anointed in my finances? What does it look like for my relationships to be based on something bigger than how good I can do relationships? And then you begin to walk out in that. All right, turn to Romans 8. Man, that was some good stuff. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I mean, it, that, that's really good. That is, if you would take that idea of adoption out of that scripture and you would apply that to everywhere where you're disappointed in 2017, it would change things. If you would apply that, if you would, instead of trying to scramble together a promotion or get together more money or quit, you know, start, start, start eating gluten or start dieting or start exercising, or you can do all of those things, but they're out of based on a vision that you have of, because you're being set free to engage in a process that will bring healing to your finances and to your body and to your relationship. So we're really engaging, we're looking to engage with what God's already doing. When our prayer is, God, fix my kid in this way, we're saying, God, I know what you should do, and now you're not doing it. I'm disappointed in you, so I'm going to quit talking to you about my son or my daughter or my marriage. Instead of saying, God, what do you want to do? What's your vision of me in this relationship? And then you choose by your will what he sees, and it's not your will, but his will be done. And it's not your will be done in your kid or your marriage or your boss's life. It's his will be done through you in that life. All right, so Romans eight twenty nine and 30 gives us a pattern of how God wants us to live out his vision for our lives. And um, <clears throat> I'm not going to be able to do the, um, the whole message. I'll, I'll, I'll do it next week. Um, but I'm going to give you the five, the five steps. Uh, so you read, I'm going to read out of the message again. And you can, but, but Mark Romans 8, 29, and 30. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son, which we just talked about. The son, the son stands first in the line of humanity he restored, the original and intended shape for our life in him. Not our life to be shaped when we die, but our lives to be shaped right now here on earth. You can start 2018 completely different by believing that, um, that Jesus then is the original intended shape for you. That doesn't mean don't shave or don't drink or wear sandals or celebrate Judaism. or any, It doesn't mean anything like that. It means you being you, how do you live that out? And it's an invitation into relationship to finding that out. And it's actually an exciting journey. It's a way better journey than rebellion or lawlessness. It's a way better journey than religion or false liberty. It's, it's, it's that third option that God has for us. It's really the gospel option that we want. So uh, the sun stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like. So he's decided what you should be like. He has a plan for you. You know, we say it over babies, you know, you're, you're, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're unique. You're awesome. You have, you're designed by God. You're special. But we don't say it about 15-year-olds or 50-year-olds, do we? They, because we, we judge them by the junk that we see they, them do or how they act or their attitude. 
But God doesn't see that way. His sight is much more perfect. He followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. So I'm going to give you five, give you five steps, and then I'm going to, I'll share those steps next week. The first one is, is God has a vision. God has a vision of you. It's number one. That's a process. God has a vision of you. If you don't think God has a vision of you, that's your first step. Get an idea that God has a vision of you. If you're an athlete or you're a business person or you're a homemaker or you're retired or you're poor or you're rich, whatever you are, get it down that God has a vision for you and pursue that vision. Secondly, the, the second one, God names his vision. I love it that God names things. I think it's like Project Leslie Charles Heron. It's up there. There's a big file up there, and God's always like, man, I'm working on that young man. I'm working on my kid. It's awesome. I love what he's doing with all the, with all the failures. There's a lot of trip trials. I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of victory in that, and he's rooting me on. He's got, like, Team Leslie Charles Heron T-shirts whenever he comes and roots for me, which is all the time. And so he calls me by name. As much as you might be excited by the World Series or the Super Bowl, it's nothing like the sound going on in heaven for us, for our victory, for us moving forward. It's so much better. It's so much more exciting. But we, we make it boring. It's not meant to be. It's supposed to be exciting. So God names his vision. If you don't know God's name for you, you need to find that out. And, and it's, not, it's, not, it's not evangelist, teacher, intercessor, any of those things. There's a name for you that's super endearing that's not, that's not. And it might be, it's probably your name, but there's something in it that the Lord wants you to know about you. So God names his vision. And... Um, the third one is God provides for his vision. Okay, it, sa- it says in here and it throughout the Bible, God makes all the provision for you to enter into his vision and his family. All of it. In the olden days, the priest would come and you would slaughter a lamb. You would slaughter, you would slaughter a lamb and you'd have to walk through it and the priest would walk through it on behalf of God. And, but in the, then in the imagery of the New Testament, we don't walk through or slaughter anything. God does it all. God does both parts of the priest and the sinner one. So it's it's all the imagery throughout the whole scripture is God's done his part. God's done his part. He's brought you into family, and that is amazing. And it should rock us, and we should live from that point of family, not always wondering, am I in, am I out, do I look right, don't I look right? I mean, that would be a horrible thing to always wonder if you fit. Here's a funny story. I was like super different than my family members. If you met my family, you would you would probably understand that. And my, one of my brothers would say, "Yeah, you, you, we found you under a rock. You're you know you you don't fit because we found you under a rock. You were adopted. Lo and behold, I found out when I was like that age that they were adopted. I didn't know that before then. And um, but I was always it's like you you don't fit. And, but what a horrible thing to feel like you don't fit all the time in the family of God, the family you're going to spend eternity with, and the family that's supposed to be a source of life." And goodness and richness towards us. The fourth one is, is um, God empowers the vision with the Holy Spirit. God empowers you. You don't have to do things out of your own passion. You don't have to like work up courage. You can tap. I mean, I never, my toaster, let me use my coffee pot. My coffee pot never goes, I hope I have the energy to make coffee. I hope I have electricity. I hope I make coffee. I hope I go, this is going to be so hard. What do you do? You plug it in, you push a button, it makes coffee. We are to plug into a source and be electrified 
and to be energized by that source. And we operate how we were created. I never asked my toaster to make coffee. That makes sense, right? It's, it's really that simple plug-in. God empowers the vision that he has for you, for your life. If it's for your marriage, for your kids, for your business, for your health, the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to fulfill that and to move into that. And the fifth one, it doesn't have to look like it's completed here on earth. You can feel like you totally failed, but if you were faithful, if you were obedient, and you kept setting your heart hard towards him, then you are a great, great success. And there will be something produced from that, and he completes the vision. We get diverted all in, in all of these areas. And um, in Galatians, Paul, the apostle Paul says, who tricked you, who bewitched you, who used witchcraft to get you to think that you can continue on one step in this journey without the beginning that started you. So we have our part, God has his part. And um, those are the five steps we'll talk about this next week. But what would, what, would the, what would this year look like differently to you if you knew without a doubt that you were adopted, accepted, empowered, equipped, designed perfectly to fit into your life, to fit into your neighborhood, to fit into your body, to fit into your local church? How would it be different? Would you hide as much? Would you speak as much negativity about yourself, about your world? Would it be different if you were adopted into a family? You'd say you were adopted into Bill Gates' family, 40-something, 50-something billion dollars. Would you worry about tomorrow? Would you worry about what you say, oh, I can't do that. I don't have enough. I can't do that. I'm not talented enough. There's something that happens when we get that. In these areas of vision in your life, do you not know God has a vision for you? Do you not know that you're called specifically by name? And that he names you and he celebrates over you. Do you not know that you're empowered? Do you not know that there's, there's a completion that's coming? And that you're, you're moving towards that completion? So go ahead and stand up. And clo- close your eyes. And So I'm going to ask, I'm gonna ask two, 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 two questions. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed.